This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Thank you everyone for coming. I actually didn't get lost tonight coming to Queens. I think the first time. Okay, so Chazak Women's Division. Tonight we're going to talk about the importance, the reason I'm giving this shit to only women, is tonight we're going to talk about the importance of a woman in uh, the Jewish nation. How important she is. I know that many women feel that the Jewish religion is a man's religion. Man gets put on tefillin, part of a minion. So we're going to discuss that tonight and the mistaken thinking that, that it's a man's religion, really it's a woman's religion. So the Chazak Women's Division is a very important, important division. And I appreciate that you're all here to, you know, tonight. And all the girls that come on say Shabbat, I get emails and messages and appreciate all the women that come on say Shabbat. What better place? Not that I'm the one that's speaking, but all together, just to come out once the Shabbat to hear Shiurim instead of going to the movies. Not that anyone here would ever go to the movies or clubs or anything like that. But I just, I always say that wherever I go, you know, when I go to California and Texas, in Queens, nobody goes, they don't, no one goes to the movies in Queens, right? Or any of these places. So just, I'm just repeating it because that's what I usually say when I'm, uh, when I'm out of town. Um, okay. So before we start, we'd like to wish you Shalem to Shmuel Chaim Ben Chana. You heard this about Hansa Rezel, Moshe ben Miriam, Netanel ben Mazal, Malkabat Shifra. Hatzlach in court for Yaakov ben Sarah, an easy pregnancy for Sarah bat Larissa. And of course, everyone is um, asked to visit TorahAnytime.com, which is doing absolutely unbelievable, amazing work. I'm a little, I'm a little upset with them because un- until, I don't know, how long, how long am I with you? Six months? About six months. So to about, to about six months ago, um, I was on um, Kol Alashan, which is on the telephone. You could hear me on the telephone. But nobody knew what I looked like. <laughs> now, that's already any time is all over the place. Every time I walk into the store, right? Or Wallstein, is that you? You know, there I am eating spaghetti, and it's like hanging out of my thing. And, oh, I know you. And I'm like, no, you don't. No, I know you. I saw you on tour there. So anyway, but I appreciate it anyway. Thank you very much. It's amazing. I... I, I um, I actually got a an email today. I didn't bring it with me. Should have brought it to me with me to read. I got an email today from San Francisco, and the person who was writing from San Francisco said, "I watch you on TorahAnytime.com, and um, I like that share you gave about uh, the Matzah Shabbat, you know, New Year's that whole share, and I like that share that you gave about um, not my place or my space, but Facebook, and." Not that anyone here knows about that either. It's just people in San Francisco know that. So, so anyway, Baruch Hashem Anytime.com is really getting all over the world. And um, they're doing really, really good stuff. So if you can um, support them, you know, we always think that, ah, support them, what does it matter? One more camera is, that camera travels every night from one shear to the other shear to the other shear, puts it online, and then hundreds of people come to watch it. So if you, I, I would say that instead of sending a, a basket around, you should ask for donation if someone should buy a camera. Because if someone buys a camera, that camera goes around all over the place. That Each shear that it, that it films and shown over to thousands of people is your mitzvah. So I don't know the cost of a camera. You can speak to them afterwards. But um, it would be a very, very good investment. Okay. I have to say before I start that really this year tonight is for girls, I would say, 18 and above. Girls that, women that are married and girls that are of shidduch age. I'm not, I'm going to throw out anyone that's below 18, but they might get a little bit uncomfortable. So the reason that there's no boys here, 
uh, is that I did not want to discuss the subject matter that I'm going to discuss in front of men. And if, you know, they're young kids here, I don't really think that um, they're going to be that comfortable. All right, now you're all wondering what I'm going to talk about. Okay. <laughs> just, just to make you all nervous. Okay. I'm a little uncomfortable because I'm a man. So, so it's a little bit uncomfortable for a man, a Rebbe, to give a shear to women about women's stuff. But I, I, I felt on my way here, I'll tell you the truth, I was thinking in my car of what I should say and what I shouldn't say, and I felt that if one person changes because of something I'm going to say tonight, then all her generations afterwards are going to change. It's my responsibility. I don't know when I'm going to come and speak just to the women of, of this area, of this neighborhood. So I, I apologize before if I say anything that somebody's uncomfortable with. I do have five daughters and a wife, Baruch Hashem, so, and no sons. So I have been living with six women for a very long time, Baruch Hashem. So, like a king, absolutely. The problem with, problem with the king thing is that until about ten years ago, we had one bathroom. So I had to wait in the morning till all six, all six women went to the bathroom, did their hair. You guys use two blow dryers. I don't know how you do that. Six women, 12 blow dryers. Then there's this new thing called the iron. You iron your hair, then you blow dry your hair, then you pull your hair. Leave your hair alone. What are you bothering it so much for? Oh my goodness. My mother used an iron she, to do my shirts. I came in the room the other day. My daughter's laying with her head back. My other daughter's ironing her hair. I'm like, I said, by the way, can I put a pillow underneath? At least that way we'll get the pillowcase ironed. You know what I'm saying? It's a bad idea, but this is, this is how I grew up. So you have to understand. So I'm not that uncomfortable. I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable. I'm not that uncomfortable. Okay. So let's go back to the beginning. We always have to start in the beginning. In the beginning of creation, when Hashem created the woman. So it says the following. Vayapel Hashem Elohim Tardema ala Adam. And Hashem put the man, the male, into a deep sleep. Wonder why. Why would he have to put him into a deep sleep? But he put him into a very deep sleep. And like us guys, if you tell it, you know, why you should, he went to sleep. You know? It doesn't say he was snoring, but he was sleeping. And Hashem took one of his sides, one of his ribs. Even Hashem Alakim and Hashem built from this from this rib Adam Leisha a woman. Adam and he brought her to Adam. And then he woke up Adam and said, I have a present for you. So when Adam saw her, he said, this time I see that she is made for me, and therefore I will call her Isha. Why Isha? Because woman came from man. It's important, this is the basis of what I'm going to speak about, so we need to know this. So Hashem took part of the, the male and he created he created the female. Okay? The Pasik takes for granted that the woman will always be with the man because she's part of the man. But the Torah warns the man that he should leave his parents' house. And bidavak, which bidavak comes from a devak, should be glued to his wife. And therefore the Pasik says, 
A man should leave his mother, his father, and his mother, and be be one with his wife, or become one. Dabak is glue, and I'll explain to you why the Torah says that you should be glued to your wife. Why did it use the word Dabak? But what's very important here, and this is not a share that I give the women, this is a share that I give the men, is that one of the problems in today's day and age is that parents are very possessive. And they don't like to let their children go. I told you the story with my son-in-law, most of you know, with my daughter, with the Dr. Pepper, right? And I told you that, how hard it was for me to let my daughter go. It's very, very hard to let her go. And it's a very big problem when when the parents get in between the, the husband and the wife. And it happens a lot. I deal in Shalom bias very much, and it happens a lot. So the Torah has to tell the husband that, listen, you can't be a mama's boy. If your wife needs you, you go take care of your wife. She's going to have your children. Be busy with your wife. Of course you still have to have kibbutz of the aim, but you have to take care of your wife. It doesn't tell us that the daughter shouldn't leave her parents. Because that's a given. That's a given that she has to leave her parents. Because if she's the wife and the one who takes care of the husband and the one that takes care of the house and the one that takes care of the children, she can't be busy. Again, does not mean that you don't do kibbutz of aim. Does not mean if your mother's not feeling well, you don't take her to the doctor. But the halach and shulchan aruch is that if your mother or father says, take me to the doctor and your husband says, no, you can't, the halach is you can't. Shulchan aruch, that's the law. The woman has to listen now. There's a a downside and there's an upside. The upside to it is that a girl who is not a Kohen or a Bas Kohen, if she marries a Kohen, then she's allowed to eat from all the Karbanos and the Truma and everything that's holy from the base Hamikdash, even though she wasn't born a Bas Kohen, she wasn't born a Kohen, but since she married, she goes according to her husband. And I'm going to explain to you that. But that's the halacha, so therefore, and vice versa, if the girl's father is a Kohen, and her whole life she ate Truma and Karbanot, and now she marries a non-Kohen, she's not allowed to eat anymore. She goes by her husband. If her husband's Ashkenazi, she's Ashkenazi. If her husband is Sephardi, she is Sephardi. That's the way, that's the halacha in the Torah. So the halacha is that if your parents say, I want you home now, and you're married... I want you to come home now, and your husband says, no, you cannot go. You can go talk to a rabbi about it, but the halacha is that you must listen to your husband. Vice versa, the Torah tells the husband, the davak v'ishna, you should be busy with your wife. Why does it you use the word glue? Because a man and a woman are very, very different. We are very different people, which I will explain to you soon. We're very different. And, for instance, let's say you want to connect a cotton piece of cloth with a cotton piece of cloth. You can sew it together. You don't glue it together. You sew it together. But if you want to take this book and connect it to a piece of wood, you have to use glue. Glue connects two things that are very different. If you want to connect a piece of metal with a piece of paper, we use glue. So the Torah tells us that we understand that the man and the woman are very different. And I'll explain to you how. But they have to use glue to stay together. What's the glue between Ish v'isha? Hashem. If there's a hey, Hashem between them, 
then it's ish for isha. If there's no hay, it's ish, it's fire. And the marriage doesn't work. You have to bring God into your house. And it's the job of the woman and the man to bring God in their house, and in different different ways. Now, let's first get to the basis of how is a man and a woman different. Okay. In my first shear here, we spoke about that a man is a hunter. We're hunters. Because Hashem took something away from us, we woke up, and we were one rib less. And therefore, we're always looking to find that rib that we're missing. Why did Hashem do that? Why did Hashem just create a woman and a man? You got to put me to sleep, and then you got to steal my rib, and then you got to build a woman on my rib. God, you know, you could have made your own rib, and you could have made your own woman. Why did you have to do this? And the answer is that we are so different that... A man would not marry a woman if he didn't have to look after and search for her because he feels that he's missing something. So when a man marries a woman, he becomes one. He becomes fulfilled. He's supposed to become fulfilled. Now the woman is not missing anything. She's not, no one took anything away from her. She's man's rib built into a human being. So she's not missing anything. But she's not looking for anything. She's not hunting anything. She don't need a car and then a nicer car and then a nicer car and a nicer car. She doesn't need to show up to her friends in that way. She's not looking to get to go out with 20 guys. She wants one man, one husband that loves her, that takes care of her. And that's it. She's possessive. She's protective. Don't touch my man. Don't touch my kids. Stay away from my house. I don't need five houses. Guys are like, listen, we're going to, darling, we're going to go buy a house in the Hamptons. And then I want to buy a house in Israel. And then I want to buy an apartment in Florida. And then maybe we'll take something up in the mountains. And how about the city, a little townhouse? And she's like, hello, we got one house, we got one kid, where are you going? <laughs> right? He's never happy. Because we, we, we feel that we're missing something. And, and therefore we're always looking, we're looking, and therefore you will never find a woman hunter. You never heard, you know, ever hear of a girl, Jewish, not Jewish. So where are you going today? I'm going up hunting. What are you hunting? Deer. Got my rifle and my boots, and I'm going hunting deer. Ever hear of a girl that hunts deer, or hunts ducks, or hunts quail? Girls don't hunt. In fact, they don't like people who hunt. Why do you have to kill that nice little deer? And that poor little birdie who's flying up there, you have to shoot him? What do you think? You think you're such a big shot? You take a gun with a scope, you can see 30 miles away, the poor deer doesn't even know that you're there. You know what? You want to hunt? Let's see Chaim go, go get him with a, with a bow and arrow like the Indians. What are you crazy? I'm going to go run in the snow. I'm like I'm a sugar with a bow and arrow. I'll never get him. Girls don't like, don't go for this hunting business. Because girls are very happy with what they have. Because they're not missing anything. And therefore when a girl makes a bracha, thank you. When a girl makes a, this must be a girl, she has bright zero, sure. Do I look like I'm on a diet? That's a different chair, the diet chair. Last week in Ornava, you would have been there. Austin spoke about the diet, and everyone wanted to know. He knows South Beach and Weight Watchers. How does he know that? Anyway, getting back onto the subject. So, therefore, when you make a bracha in the morning, the bracha you make is Shasani Kirtsono. I am not missing anything. I am made the way Hashem wants me to make, to be made. Now, let me tell you all something very unbelievable. The closest creature in this world to God, to being like God, is a woman, not a man. Why? Because a woman is a creator. 
she creates a child. This child, for nine months, lives in a world that is the woman. The child, if you know anything about biology, its waste, its intake, everything that it does, it does in its mother's womb. It, it eats from its mother, it grows in its mother, and actually, it, the mother is sort of God. Because God's greatness is that God doesn't take anything from us. He just gives us. That's all He does. He gives and He gives and He gives. He doesn't take anything from us. A woman doesn't take anything from the child in her womb. The child gets totally 100% nourished from the mother. But the child, besides giving her a couple of kicks, right, and heartburn, and makes it miserable for the mother to be able to sleep, doesn't give the mother anything. We as humans, we don't give Hashem anything except a couple of kicks and agita because of the way we behave. So a woman, and this is brought down in Kabbalah, it's brought down in many places, a woman is, is more like God than any other creation in the world. Because first of all, the human being is made, and the woman is a creator. Amazing. Every woman has the potential to create like a Kodesh Baruch So when you say, that Hashem made me according to His will, what you are saying is, I am like Hashem. I have the ability to create a child for nine months. That whole child from when it's a cell, one cell. And if you watch, you know, as it grows, gets its hands and its legs, it's all encompassed in the mother. Because the mother is whole. Something that's not whole, the man that's missing something, is not trusted to create a child. And therefore, it is the woman that is trusted to create the child. Now, the reason, and this is one of the subjects I'm going to touch on a little bit tonight, that there is such a thing as Tahar and Tameh by a woman and Mikvah and all these Kadosh and Kedusha is because when the woman's body prepares from when it's 13 years old or 12, 13 years old, prepares itself to be a creator. From 13, 14, a woman can have a child. With that Kedusha that comes into that woman to prepare her to create a Tzalem Alekin. You're creating a part of Hashem. So she has to become extremely holy. And her body gets a, a crazy holiness in it. And then when she does not become pregnant, and all that preparation leaves her body, so the potential that was there leaves the body, so wherever there's unbelievable Kedusha, comes unbelievable Tumma when it's missing. For instance, if you take Ramesha Feinstein, all of a Shalom, Yaakov Avinu, Avram Avinu. When he was alive, Rabbi Wallstein could stay in this room with him and talk to him all the time. But the minute a tzaddik dies, I have to run out. I'm a Kohen. You have to run out? Yaakov Avinu died? The room is Tomei? Yaakov Avinu is Tomei? You can't touch Yaakov Avinu? The biggest tzaddik in the world, Rabbi Wallstein, what are you talking about? He's so clean, he never did an Avera. He's so pure. What do you mean you, 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 you can't touch him, you're a Kohen? 
And the answer is that when the Kedusha was here, of course I could shake his hand. But when he dies and the Kedusha leaves, when Kedusha leaves, something has to take its, its space, its place. And if it's not Kedusha, it's Tumah. And therefore, every month, a woman, when she, her body prepares to be able to produce a child, to be able to become a creator, the Kedusha in this woman is absolutely at the highest peak that a person could reach. And when it doesn't happen, then what has to take its place of this Kedusha? Tumah. And that's why a woman is Tumah. And therefore, there's a thing called mikvah. When a woman gets married, she's able to go to the mikvah. What's the mikvah? A pool of water. Jump into a pool of water, you come out of a pool of water, you're different. What's different? Nothing's different. And the answer is, everything is different. Because when Hashem created the world, there was water. And He separated this water. And He put water in the Shemayim, and He put water on the Aretz. Our oceans and our skies. He split them. Before creation, if you look in the first day, it says it was all water. And Hashem had to separate them. So before the world was created, when it was before creation, listen carefully, it's very deep what I'm about to tell you. But this is from the Zohar. It's amazing. Take this with you for the rest of your life. Before the world was created, the water of the heavens and the water of the earth were one. And therefore, a woman, before she creates a child, it's before creation, she needs to go into the water like it was before creation. And therefore, mikvah water has to be rainwater, rainwater from Shemayim that came down to this, to this earth. Because it has to be pre-creation. It has to be a connection of the water of Shemayim to the water of the Aretz. Mikvah water has to be water, has to be rainwater. Water that came from Shemayim mixes with the water down here, and you have a mikvah. And therefore, when a woman goes into the mikvah, she is becoming a creator, the ability, the potential to become a creator. And therefore, when she goes into the mikvah, she's going into, into pre-creation, pre-world, before Averis, before sins, before Tumor, before anything. Mamish godly. And she comes out of that water as a creator, as a totally different human being. I'll tell you a story. There's a Chacham, his name is um, Ravshani, in Eretz Yisrael. And he's very into Kabbalah. Very, very into Kabbalah. And he went to, um, there was some kind of, I don't know, witchcraft. I'm not going to call it witchcraft, but there was a guy who came from India. And he was doing all kinds of tricks. And in a big college. And all the Jew- all the Israelis were coming to watch this guy. And what he was able to do, he would take a girl's ring, um, earring, clasp, anything, and he would look at, he would pick it up, and he would be able to say everything that that thing traveled through in its life. This was your grandmother's, who gave it to your mother, and the people were freaking out. He would take some, you bought this in a store in Tel Aviv, on this corner, the one who sold it to you was a woman, she had red hair. He was able to see through magic, through Kishif, through Tumma, however it was, he was able to see into the jewelry where every hand that ever touched it. This Ravshani is very big in Kabbalah. He sat there, and he was in amazement. 
Like, how does this guy do it? And this guy was telling everyone that it didn't come from magic, it didn't come from Tumma, he just had this power, and people were mamish putting money and buying tickets to see this guy. So Rav Shani decided he's going to see if this person's coming from Tumma or from Tahara. He took his grandmother's ring, he had his grandmother's ring, and he went to the mikvah, and he put the ring into the mikvah. It's a true story. He writes it in his safer. He took the ring, and he put it into the mikvah. He came to this big show, he sat in front, and he's holding the ring in his hand, the man sees it. So he first does this woman, that woman, this woman, everyone's in amazement, he's able to save everyone. He says to Rav Shani, oh, Rabbi, come up here. Takes the ring, picks it up, closes his eyes. This is brand new, this was just made. <laughs> Rav Shani goes, no, I'm not getting a reading. What did you do to this ring? Why don't I have a reading? It's a famous story in Israel. Rav Shani got up, and he turned around to the crowd of not religious Jewish people, and he said, this is the power of the mikveh, everybody. You see this man? He comes from Tumah. Tumah can't read the mikvah. The mikvah erases everything, cleans everything. And he started giving a whole drasha. He took over the gate, a whole drasha to the women. I know you're not religious, you have to go to mikvah, tarasamashpacha. And they called the police, and it was a whole big fight. Don't ask, it was a gansamais. But the power of the mikvah, that this guy wasn't able to read the ring. So when you say in the morning a bracha, that God created me in His will the way He wants me to be because God created me a creator and I have the power of a creator and therefore today girls I hate to say it but the Sahara got smart he used to bother the boys the girls were quiet a girl go to a club girl hanging out with boys, chatz v'shalom, a girl not sharing a gear. what are you talking about, Rabbi Wallerstein? The Yitzhahara, a girl on, on the internet, my face, your face, their face, someone's face, chatz v'shalom. But the Yitzhahara got very smart, he says, what am I doing? In Rabbi Wallerstein's generation, 30 years ago, I went after the boys, you know, bum around, hang out, but Rabbi Wallerstein's not a creator, He's not the factory. He doesn't make the children. She does. If I could ruin a Jewish girl, then all her children are going to be ruined. If I ruin the Jewish man, and the Jewish girl stays religious and doing the right thing, let me tell you something about mothers. Mothers are the ones who bring up their children. And if you look through the Gemara, you will find that every great, most of the great rabbis, when they ask them, to what do you attest that you became a great rabbi, they'll tell you, my mother, she did this, my mother never uncovered her hair in the house, my, mo- my mother took me as a baby and put me in the base medrash, my mother, my mother, my mother. There was a very big tzaddik, my Gadol Hadar that just passed away, my Rosh Hashiva. His name was Rashmuel Birnbaum, I don't know if you read about it in the papers, hundreds of thousands of people went to his Leviah. Rashmuel Birnbaum died, he was 87 years old. He learned... 22 hours a day. He went from the Holocaust to China to America. Huge Tamachacham. They asked him, Rashmuel, who? Who, 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 who? To who do you give credit for this? Your Rosh Hashiva? Your father? My mother. Rosh Hashiva said, My mother. They said, What did your mother do? 
He said, my mother had one very pretty dress in Europe. When I went to Yeshiva, there's a Sefer. In those days, it's not like today, this is a, this is a dream. If a boy had one Sefer, he was considered rich. He didn't have a, a Hebrew book. There was one book for the whole school. They didn't have printing presses and money for this. You couldn't go to Eichler's and all these Jewish bookstores and buy, buy a safer. His mother went, when he went to yeshiva, and she sold her only dress that was worth anything. She took the money and she bought what's called a Ketzos HaChoshan. It's a, it's, a, it's a safer on Gemara. And she gave it to him. And she said, this is my dress. What am I going to do with my dress? Where is it going to get me? You take this to yeshiva. Now, he, he told us the story, and he said that when he came to yeshiva, they were, they were, they were, they were, he was so poor, they lived in a house, like, no furniture, no food. She had one dress that she got from her parents. So when he came to yeshiva, he had the ktsos. He had this one safer. And only the multi-millionaire boys had, his, had their own book. So when he came to yeshiva, everyone said, Oh, Shmuel Birnbaum, he's a rich guy. He has a safer. Meanwhile, he didn't have what to eat even. And he says, the schus that I saw my mother's Messiras Nefesh, that she was willing to sacrifice. I saw my mother's sacrifice for my learning. It's in my eyes every time I'm tired. It's in my eyes every time I have a problem. I see my mother giving me as a little boy, selling her dress and saying, here, Shmuel, learn this. The power of a woman when it comes to religion, when it comes to bringing up her children, it's really all her. It's really all her. The biggest changes in my students are, was when the mother, who do I get phone calls from all day? The mothers. I think my son's going off to Derek. I think my son's talking to a girl. I think my son's not learning. It's always the mothers all day. And they cry and they beg because to a woman, she's the creator. It's her creation. That child is her creation. She carried him for nine months. That child is part of her. It lived off her for nine months. It grew inside her for nine months. That child is her. Therefore, she has the koyach to create and to bring our children to the place that they have to be or, God forbid, to totally destroy. The same way. She can totally destroy her kids and she can totally destroy her husband. But it's up to the girls. It's up to the, And therefore, the Yitzhahari got smart and he said, let me mess up with the girls. If I mess up the girl, I got the whole family. If I mess up the father and the mother's still good, I got nothing. She'll make sure they go to the right yeshiva. She'll make sure they go to Minyan. She'll make sure they put on their tefillin. So he switched about, I would say 10 years ago. He switched and he started going after the girls. Ruin the girls, the boys follow. Ruin the boys, the girls don't follow so fast. There's a, a story in Nazi Germany that the Americans, the Nazis had a tank that the Americans could not, could not knock out. And the Americans decided that they're going to bomb, they had a plan, they're going to bomb all these tanks. But the tanks were, were all over Germany. So one of the smart generals said, what are we going to bomb the tanks? You're going to try to one bomb here or one bomb there? Bomb the factory. If you bomb the factory and there's no factory to make the tanks, there'll be no more tanks. Yitzhahara decided, forget the tanks, forget the boys. Let's get the factory. Let's get the girls. If I get the girl to go to the club, and I get the girl to be on the internet, and I get the girl to be busy with boys and tumor and not being Sherman Nagia, 
and I get the mothers to be busy with all kinds of things about their, except their own kids, I got the factory. If I got the factory, I got the whole Jewish religion. We're done. We're done. That's why I speak to women. I told you, the first time I spoke here, I asked my Rosh Hashiva, women or men? He said, women. He said, because they're going to bring Mashiach, not the men. They're the factories. They're the ones who bring up the children. They're the ones who tell the husband, listen, I don't want to go out until you go to Davin. That's up to you guys. But if you tell your husband, listen, on our anniversary, you're not going to learn, then when he tells you he doesn't want to go learn because he wants to go to a giant game, and you're going to say, no, no, you got to go to learn. Yeah, but for your anniversary... It was good enough to break my learning. Then for my football game, it's good enough to break my learning. You're the guys that set the example. You're the ones who set, who set the standard that the men have to follow. Therefore, you have to be very careful. I'm talking to the young girls who are single. You have to be very, very careful. You're not a hunter. And therefore, the punishment for a girl is much greater than the punishment for a boy. Because the boy's teva, our nature is to hunt. This girl and that girl, if we could marry ten women, we'd marry ten women. Came along, came Rabbeinu Geshem, he said, one's enough. But before that, the men were marrying five, six, seven women. Women don't marry, the women in Jewish religion are not allowed to marry more than one man. So someone said, chauvinistic religion, they told me. What a chauvinistic religion. If I want to marry five guys, I can't. But you can marry five girls. I said, you don't need five guys. You need one good one. You're not a hunter. Why do you want to marry five guys? So she said to me, because if I find one guy in the five, that is good. I did well. <laughs> but that's not the answer. And therefore the Torah says, I, I, I don't know if I'm getting the point across. You don't know who you are. You don't know who you are according to the Jewish religion. You only need one husband. That's it. We're not happy. The guy's not happy. The woman needs one husband. So a woman that's Going after men or a young girl that's running after boys, that is not your nature. That is not your nature. You are stepping out of your nature. You are a protector. If you step out of your nature, then you're going to fall from a higher place. You're going to fall from a higher place. You're going to get hurt a lot more. And that's why a girl who talks to boys or hangs out with boys gets a very hard time to find a shidduch. I speak to girls all the time. They tell me how unfair it is. And they're right. It's unfair. A girl, she's 16. She's talking to boys. She's 18. She's talking to boys. And then she decides, that's it. I've had enough of this. This is all just drama. And I'm going to Israel and I'm going to learn. And she goes and she becomes, she goes for two years, Shana Bays, and she becomes a this and she becomes a that. And she comes back after three years and she wants a shidduch. And they ask a few questions. What are you kidding me? She's, uh, she's a runaround. She used to go out with guys, clubs, talk to guys. What are you talking about? Nobody wants to go out with her. And the guy that she used to go out with, he's the first guy to tell his friends, her? Huh? A bum. That's the guy that's going to ruin your shidduch. The guy that you're talking to now, I know. Two big words, I should put it behind me. He's different. That's the, that's the, not my guy, right? Wallace, he's talking about your guy, your guy, your guy, that guy. My guy? Oh, if Rabbi Austin would only meet him, if you only knew him, he's such a nice guy. He would never do something like that. Every single girl that has the problem told me, he, I can't believe he's doing it. He was such a nice guy. <coughs> so, no matter how good you become, it's very hard to change your name. But a boy, easy. Easy. We can bum around. We can hang out. We can party. We can club. We can do whatever we want. Eh, 1920? I got to go to Israel. 
I got to change. We go to Israel for two years. We go to Yeshiva, first year, we're still hanging out. Second year, we find a light because now we want a really good girl. <laughs> then we go another year. Then we come back to America. Wow, all the girls are talking. Did you see him? He changed so much. And there's 959 girls waiting online to go out with this guy. They're okay, meeting him at the airport. Comes 6 o'clock in the morning, gets off El Al, and there's 20 girls standing there. Who are you here to see? Um, my third cousin's coming. No, I know who you're here to see. Yeah, because I don't, I don't understand this. I'm not a woman. But there's this crazy attraction for bad boys who became good. That's like, forget it. That's like superstar status. A bad boy who became good. Oh my goodness, Rabbi Wallerstein, do you have any of those? But a bad girl who became good. Nobody wants. But a bad girl who became good. Nobody wants. So the girls say, Rabbi Wallstein, it's very unfair. These guys come back, they get a shidduch right away. Any kind of girl, a girl that's religious since she's born, she, got, she was the top of her school, she got hundreds on all her tests, she doesn't even know what club means, she thinks it's a soda, club soda, she has no idea, she doesn't know what the internet is, she thinks that's something you go fishing with, she has no idea what's flying. And you're standing like, oh my goodness, she got him. What a lucky girl. And vice versa, Nebuch, the girl suffers, she can't find the shidduch. So Hashem, why? It's not fair. And the answer is, because you were created not to run around. And you were created not to go to clubs. Because that's not your, that's not your nature. Your nature is not to be chasing boys. Your nature is to be growing into a creator. You want to create children. You think it's just a physical thing. Not just a physical thing. That body that has a child in it, any effect that happened to that body, spiritually and physically, has an effect on the DNA of that child, physically and spiritually. Yeah. The mother is the factory. And... I used to sell packaging to a company called Nabisco. And if you ever went into a Nabisco cookie plant, it's, it's like a laboratory. There's no dust. They have these huge vacuums in the ear that clean the dust. There's no dust. There's no dirt. There's no particles. Because if you're making a cookie, everything that's in the air is going to be in the cookie. So it has to be perfectly clean. So when you're not making a cookie, girls, you're making a person. This is not Nabisco. You're making a person. So everything that's in that body and in that soul affects that person. So you have to think about your future generations. Guys don't think about their future generations. They're running around, they're hunting. I got this one as black hair, that one as blonde hair, make a check on the wall. I got another one, I got another one. It's a race, it's a game, it's how many more, how many I dumped. Never. I see so many girls in pain. So many. That doesn't mean. Oh, he's okay, Rabbi. I'm not going out with these guys. Are monsters. Guys are monsters, 100. percent And you shouldn't go out with them. Why are you allowed to go out with them? Because you take a monster and you give him Torah and you give him mitzvot and you give him tefillin and you give him minyan. And that's why Hashem gave this to the men. The women. You don't need it. You don't need tefillin. You want to wear tefillin? It's a waste of time. 
You don't need tzitzis. You don't need minion. You want to go to minion? It's a waste of time. You don't need it. You don't need it. You're a creator. You're on a much different level. I'm a mishugano. I need minion, and I need to fast, and I need to, and I need to put on tefillin, and I need to put on tzitzis. And it says, if men didn't have that, they would pillage, destroy, and I don't even use the word in the shul. The whole world. So Hashem took the Jewish man and he said, ho, 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 you got 613 mitzvahs and you better do them. So if you don't do them, you're, you're a mishugan, you're a wild animal. And kachava. So a girl has to look at the boy and say, what kind of boy am I going out with? Does he have Torah? Does he have midos? Does he have mitzvahs? How did his mother bring him up? Look at his mother. How did she bring him up? How does he relate to his parents? It's, it's not a joke. It's not a game. The person who sees, you know, consequence. That's the smart person. We're not playing a game. But I'm not only just talking to the young girls here. I'm talking to the married women too. It's not a game. You're not supposed to be going out and talking to other men at work. This is not your position in life. You're supposed to be taking care of your husband and your children. Why are you talking to strange men at work? What are you doing? Because it's the workplace? So the Satan tells you it's the workplace. It's the way you're allowed to talk to anyone you want. And all of a sudden this guy's asking you, tell me about Judaism. And you're like, so because women, it's natural. You're, you, you have that, that's your nature, is to take care of, is to nurture. So you want to nurture everybody. So when someone comes to you and says, oh, can I talk to you? And you're a married woman, and he's a guy, you're supposed to say no. But then when he says, I just, I need your help. You see, me and my wife, we're not doing that well. And, and I see you and your husband's like, amazing marriage. Any guy that opens up a conversation like that, run for your life. <laughs> run for your life. I deal, I deal with this all the time. But I deal with it way down the line when it becomes a major problem. Because then, we're hunters. And a hunter knows his prey. And a hunter knows the game. And we study you. And we know how to get you. And we know that coming to a woman and saying physical something, she's going to run. But when you start with the emotions, and I need to talk to you, and I need your help, and, and, and I'm not asking you for anything, just advice, why do you fall for that? Everybody falls for that. Because she's a nurturer. Oh, how can I help you? And it leads to adultery. And it leads to the worst Averis in the world. And that's where it's going. And don't think for one second, it says in the Mishnah, Don't talk a lot, tells the man, to women. Because in the end, you're both going to end up in hell. That's where it's going to go. And I know that everyone in this room, and I'm the guy that's, that, that, that it comes to afterwards. I, I have to handle the dead bodies, so to say. So everyone in this room is thinking, that guy at work, what are you talking about? He's so from. Yeah. So we talk a little bit about his house and emotional things. Right? Wallstein doesn't understand if he would only meet him. And, and my, my, uh, today, I keep warning girls, and today a girl comes to me and says, I, I fell for it, Rabbi Wallstein. I said, what happened? He said, I mean, he said he's, he's becoming more religious because of me. Which you all fall for. Tell him, become more religious because of God. I'm not God. Why are you becoming more religious because of me? I said, can I ask you something? If you asked him, he'd become less religious because of you. What would he say? He'd become less religious. I said, so he's not becoming religious because of Hashem or because of Torah or because of Mitzvah. He's becoming religious because of whatever you want just to get you. I'll do whatever you want just to get you. And women fall for this all the time. And in school and in college, 
non-Jewish people, how do they get our Jewish girls? Hey, could you tell me a little bit more about your religion? I'll tell you a story that happened in Brooklyn College. In Brooklyn College, they had a class, and the, the teacher said that they have to go into somebody else's religion, to their, synagogue, to their place of prayer, and they, they have to write a report on what they see. So there's a couple of Basiaco girls sitting in there, and right away the professor knew there's going to be trouble because you can't ask Jewish girls to go to church or go to a, or, you know, to an ashram or, or go see the fat little guy, what's his name, over there, Buddha, you know, or, <laughs> Buddha doesn't drink spite. He drinks the heavy stuff. <laughs> guy hasn't lost weight in 5,000 years. I don't know what to do. Maybe he should get dressed also. No clothing. Not more. Anyway, so they're in class. Listen to this. They're in class. And, and the teacher says, I know the religious girls. I know you're not going to go into any of these other temples. I want you to write me a report on why Jews are not allowed to go into other religions' temples. Okay, everybody's cool. This girl who comes to Ornava gets up. She's about to walk out, and this black Muslim comes over to her and says, Hi, you're Jewish. I can see the way you're dressed. She goes, Yes. He goes, Tell me. Why are your rabbis... I'll come to your synagogue. I'll come to your synagogue. I'm not scared. My, my people are not scared. Why are you people so scared to come to ours? And she's standing there. She didn't have an answer. And she was like, I don't really... You know, I just know that we're not allowed to. I don't really know. And he says, you see? He says, I'll tell you what. Tell me where your father prays, wherever it is. I'll come there on Saturday. He's already... You know what I mean? I'll come there, I'll come to your meal, I'll come to your Seder, you know? And then I want to marry you. But he didn't say that. But he didn't say that. So when she came to tell me that, I said, when he came over to you, why don't you just say, I'm really sorry, with all, I have respect for you and everything else, I don't discuss religion. Period. You want to discuss religion? 917-439-3368, Rabbi Wallerstein, call him. I said, why did you tell him to call me? I'm prepared for this. You're not prepared for this. Why did you allow yourself to get into a whole discussion with him? And that's the power of the Sultan. That's the power of the Sahara. Rule number one. All. Underline all. A-L-L. For all those who don't know what all means, 100% of emotional, deep, good, or sometimes bad, emotional relationships end up in physical relationships. Not 90%. 100% of full emotional relationships end up in physical relationships. Not many physical relationships end up in emotional relationships. Therefore, what is more dangerous? A physical relationship or an emotional relationship? An emotional relationship. Because an emotional relationship will always be a physical relationship. But a physical relationship will not always be an emotional relationship. Don't walk out of my shape tonight and say, so what did Rabbi Wallace say? I can get physical, but I can't get emotional. <laughs> I have to be very clear. I learned a long time ago. Very clear. But don't think I'm just talking to a boy. I hate that line. I'm just talking to a boy. That's what you're thinking. But that's not what he's thinking. And I'm begging you. You are the women of the, of the generation. You have to bring up these children... Everything that goes through your emotional, spiritual, physical body affects your children. Everything. 
And therefore, when you're young, it's very important to keep yourself pure and to keep yourself clean. And when you're older, to be careful. We're never too old to make a mistake. And there's nothing worse than an old fool. A young fool is one thing, but an old fool is a very terrible thing. We have to be very, very careful. Ladies, you are going to bring Mashiach. You are the ones who are going to bring Mashiach. The Gemara says, not me, not Rabbi Manstur, and not all the rabbis, and not all the, all the dafyomis. It's the simple woman who comes to a shir, who's gonna go home, and gonna bring up their children. You are the ones that are going to bring Mashiach. You are the ones that have to be so careful. Don't be hunters, girls. It's not, you're not created. That's not Kirtzainai. That's not what you're created. Protect. Protect what you have. And I know it's very hard, and I don't have time to get into the, the whole subject matter. It's a very big test for a woman. For a woman is the, is, does not want to be alone. She does not want to be alone. A man is always jumping because he's missing something. A woman is not missing anything. She just wants one other person. Like the Torah says, and it's very hard to be alone. And we're willing to sacrifice, women are willing to sacrifice almost anything not to be alone. And most girls that are involved with boys, it's just a thing of not being alone. Of, of, of having someone to talk to, but it's wrong. And it's a very big sign, and it's a very big test. But this is the test. This is, this is your test. I have different tests. But this is your test. It's, it's, why is a woman snua? I don't, I, I can, I don't, I don't have to have my pants over my knees. I would just look silly if I walked in here and my pants were not over my knees. <laughs> and if I want to wear short sleeves, I can wear short sleeves. Why? Why is a woman snua and I'm, I'm, I don't have to be dressed that way? Do you ever think about that? Why don't men have to be dressed like that? A man can walk around. He goes to play basketball. He's in his shorts. A woman can't go that way. And the answer is, because you're the creators. Creator can't wear shorts. Creator has to be a snua. Creator has to protect what she has. And that's why the whole din of snus is by a woman. She's the factory. And Hashem has to put as many fences around that factory so that the Yitzhahara doesn't get it. So a woman has to be a snua. And a woman's not supposed to speak to strange men. And a woman's supposed to cover her hair. The Svadim are 100% correct by wearing hats. Today, we are women who have miserable hair. They're very happy to get married. They put on a shaitel. Looks like, I don't know, Marilyn Monroe. Looks like who knows what they're wearing over there. <laughs> right? And, and the Svadim say, yeah, hello, you're putting on a shaitel. You look prettier than, than without the shaitel. They're 100% right. The thing of covering the hair is, is to make you not attractive. The, the, the story I remember when I heard it, it must have been like 15 years ago. So in Baropak, the women are chesidim and they shave their heads. And they wear a wig on a shaven head. Everyone's making a face. <laughs> there, was a, there was a rock singer. I should know these things. She was Irish. Sinead O'Connor. Right? She had her head shaved. You didn't go, ooh. She's a rock star. Oh, ah. Ooh. But I'll tell you what happened. She was in Baropak's story. I remember when it happened. So on Friday night, she was walking home. It was very late. She had, she had a meal by someone else, whatever it is. She ended up, she was walking home for some reason alone. She was a married woman. And this guy attacked her. And when he attacked her, her shaitl fell off. And he saw a bald head. <laughs> and, she, and what did he think? They caught him in the end. What did he think? He thought it was a cop dressed up as a woman. She thought it was a guy. So he ran for his life. Right? So you're laughing, but it saved her life. Saved life. She thought it was an impersonating policeman. They ended up in Bar Park. They ended up catching him. But he would have, he would have, hurt, he would have really hurt her. I don't want to say what he would have done. And and that that, that he thought when the shaito fell off, he thought it was he thought it was a policeman. So he ran for his life. Every I'm not telling you to shave your head, not to shave your head. 
That's, that's your business. I'm not here to say that. But every, but the Hasidim had their reason. And the reason the Hasidim did it was that they should talk, they should look beautiful for their husband and not for anybody else. Nobody else should look at them. And the reason that the Sephardim wear hats and cover their head is also not to put on a shaitel that looks unbelievable. That the men are not supposed to look at women because men are hunters. And the woman has to be a snua. She has to protect what she has like a, like a bear. She'll protect what she has. Ah, I'm in school, man. Don't you ever say something to a mother about their kid bad. I learned that. Father comes in, tell him whatever you want. Kid's miserable. He's failing. Okay, I'll take care of him in two weeks, Rabbi. I'm taking away his this. I'm taking away his that. I'm taking away his this. Oh, man, you're going to see two weeks. My boy's going to be unbelievable. Mother walks in. So how's my daughter doing? She's not passing. She's not doing well. You know why? Because you don't know how to teach. The school's no good. You don't give him enough time. Forget about it. So when the mother walks in, I always say, Sadiq, beautiful, great, unbelievable. And she goes, I like you, Rabbi Wallerstein. But you know what that other teacher said about my daughter that she's getting, she's not doing well? Stupid teacher. She doesn't know how to teach. Rabbi Wallerstein, you know how to teach. It's a mother. That's a mother. She's a creator. She created that kid. That's her baby. No matter how old, 90 years old, 80 years old, I've seen, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I'm serious. A 90-year-old woman, her daughter, her son, that's her baby. Forever and ever and ever. There's a different relationship. You know, grandchildren are great. I have grandchildren, Baruch Hashem. Grandchildren are great. I love them very much. My father always said, if you knew how good your grandchildren would be, you'd skip your kids. (laughs) My grandchildren are not your children. As much as I love them. Your children are your children. A mother and her children. That's, she created, she's, the, she's, she's sort of, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, she's a partner. She created that kid. She went nine months, she threw up, she jumped, she couldn't sleep, she went through all the pain. A grandchild's great, but you didn't go through the pain. No, no pain, no gain. It's so different. It's totally different. They're great. They start crying, you send them home. It's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> so the reason I came here tonight was to talk to all of you because the revolution needs to start here. We need to become Kandash girls. We need to become holy. We need to become the mothers of the future, of holy children. You want holy children, you have to be holy. You have to be holy. You know, it's a terrible parable, Marshall. It's a little bit disgusting, but it really drives the point home. The best champagne in the world. A child is the best thing in the world. It's the best champagne. It's worth a billion, a trillion, a zillion dollars. But you don't drink champagne out of a toilet bowl. So if I took the best champagne in the world and I invited people over to my house and I cleaned out the toilet and I flushed it and I turned the water off. I cleaned it out. Tidy bowl. I did the whole thing with the brush. You know, the Gansamaisa. Right? Put the blue thing in it. Use that also. It's perfectly clean. There's nothing. I turned off the water. There's not even water in it. And I invite you all to my house and I pour the champagne into the toilet bowl. 15 bottles of it. The toilet's full of champagne. And I say, okay, everybody line up. I take cups, here. They say, no, Wallstein, are you out of your mind? I'm not touching that. I'm like, what do you mean? We washed it, we cleaned it. What do I do to your glass? When, when, the glass that you want to drink in, right, that I'm going to pour it into a regular glass, also gets washed in the dishwasher with soap and water and brushed and clean. What's the difference? Here's a toilet bowl, here's a glass. What's the difference? I washed it and I cleaned it. You say, a glass and a toilet bowl, what are you talking about? How could you compare the two? What are you talking about? I'm not drinking champagne out of a toilet. I don't care what your name is, Rabbi Wallenstein, Rabbi Schmallenstein. I'm not drinking out of a toilet. No. And where's this child coming from? 
a woman that watches the wrong movies and a woman that's doing the wrong things. So is that a clean glass? Is that neshama that this child is living with for nine months? Is that a clean glass? Is that a holy place? Or the child saying, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be part of this. Chas v'shalom. What's the difference? It's a holy child! But every single person that it's in, that's, that's where it's coming from. It's coming from the mother. It's unique, as we say. It's nutrients. It comes from the mother. And therefore, the mother has to be holy. And therefore, it's so important for married women to keep the halachas of mikvah and taras hamishpacha. So that if the child was created that month, that you, that, that you, you, you came back to your husband, you came in kedusha, you came in holiness, so the champagne is going into a beautiful crystal goblet. Not chas v'shalom a toilet bowl. The bria, the creation of that child is so important. The mother is 99% of the creation of that child. And that's why she's a tzalem aloikim, and that's why you're on such a high level, and that's why you say shosani kitzani, I can't. Every morning you say, Hashem, thank you that I was made according to your will. I'm not. You are. You're a creator. I can't become. And as much as man is trying to give birth, we're not, it doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. They're trying all kinds of crazy stuff with Shugam. They don't understand. They don't understand if they clone somebody, it's going to be a nobody. Because that child has to be in its mother's womb and it has to get a unique from its mother. It's very, very important. That's her creation. That's what she's creating. It's on such a high level. And and what you do before you get married is all preparing the keli, the vessel, the, the wine goblet that the wine is going to be put in. No. And I'll tell you a step even further. And what happens if Hashem sees that it's not a wine goblet? But that this person is a toilet bowl, so to say. He's not going to waste, and this is a very deep thing that I'm saying, and I don't mean to hurt anyone, but he's not going to waste his champagne on a toilet bowl. His champagne goes into beautiful crystal goblets. So you need to prepare yourself, the girls who are not married, you need to prepare yourself to prepare this Kaylee, this vessel, that I'm going to be a holy woman. And the child that's going to come from me is going to be a holy child. And you don't prepare by being on Facebook and by looking at things you're not supposed to. Because whatever goes into your eyes goes into your soul. Your eyes are the window of your soul. And one day there's going to be a child that's going to be connected to that soul. And I'll take it a step further. That even after a person has a child, after a woman has a child, she has a crazy intuition because she's very connected still to that child. And her actions have a big effect on that child. A very big effect till four generations, it says. Don't think if you do something wrong, ugh, it's me, it's not him, it's not her. One generation, child, grandchild, and great grandchild. What you do affects, says the Torah, till the fourth generation. Child, grandchild, great grandchild, great great grandchild has an effect. So we have a chance, and Akash Baku says, you can do tshuva. Don't think, oh, well, I was talking to boys, I'm stuck. No, chas v'shalom. God says, no problem, do tshuva, there's no more toilet bowl. It's now a, it's a, it's a, it's a new Bria, says, says the Zayah. Tshuva makes a barrier chadasha. And you know why? For this reason. Tshuva is, I was black, you put me in the cleaners, Hashem, now I'm white. No. Says the Zayah, barrier chadasha. You were Zechariah Wallerstein, now you're Zechariah Schwartzberg. In fact, the Rambam says that when a person does tshuva, you should give him a new, uh, you should add a name. You hear? He says, because he's mamish, he's really a new person. So every person, whatever you are, and I'm sure you're all beautiful crystal goblets, no question. 
But whatever you are, whatever you did wrong, you can go home tonight, you can say, Hashem, I didn't realize it. I'm sorry, I didn't realize it. I'm doing tshuva. Then you become a new creation. Forget the toilet bowl. You become a beautiful, beautiful crystal goblet or a beautiful silver goblet. We need to do tshuva and we need to grow and, and, and you have a kayak. And I just want to, I'm, I'm it's taking a little bit longer than I thought. I want to read you a story. I'll end with this story. Quarter to ten. Okay. Listen to the power of a woman. And he says the following story. Amazing story. It's in, in a sefer, a little bit of a Kabbalah sefer called the Kava Yashar. I teach it to the boys every Tuesday night. You gotta get one of those mics that's on like the tie. Okay. Listen carefully to the power of a woman. And the story is like this. A little bit of a sad story in the beginning, but we'll see how it ends up. And he says like this. There was once a rich man who was very, very, very rich, and he was a very big tamachacham, a very big tzaddik, very big rabbi. He had one daughter, Yifastoa, she was beautiful. Tznua, she was modest. Chamuda, I don't know how to say chamuda in English. Sweet? Cute. Okay. Beautiful, cute, modest. Nebuch, what happened to this girl? Listen to what happens. She got married to a young man. And the morning after the wedding, he was dead. Okay. She remarried a while later and married a second man. And the morning after the wedding, he was dead. The third time she got married... I don't know why that guy took a chance, but whatever. The third time she got married, the same thing happened. He died. Now the Gemara says that a, a, a woman who three husbands die in a row, for, for no apparent reason, is someone that you shouldn't marry anymore. She, she shouldn't get married anymore. Her mazel, whatever it is, is something wrong, she shouldn't get married anymore. Okay. So, this girl who was a big tzaddikista said... Lo Yamusa Adam Alai, I'm not marrying again anymore. I'm done. I don't want anybody to die because of me. I'm gonna remain a widow by myself for the rest of my life. Very sad. Okay. So she lived at home with her father. That's it. She's not getting married anymore. That father, who was very wealthy and a big tzaddik, had a nephew. This nephew, it's an amazing story. This nephew used to cut wood with his father, very poor, and sell the wood. One day they went to cut the wood, and nobody bought it. And they didn't have any bread that day at all. So the father said to the son, listen, I can't support you anymore. Go to your uncle, this rich tzaddik. Go to him and go work for him. And so he did. He went to him, and he worked for him. And this uncle loved the nephew, and they became very, very, very close. One day, the nephew came to his uncle, and he said to his uncle, I want to ask you for something. Please, don't say no. His uncle answered him, Whatever you want. So the boy said to him, I'm going to ask you something that I want you to do for me, but I want you to swear to me that you're going to say yes. And the uncle said, I swear. What could he ask me already? The boy said to his uncle, my one thing I'm going to ask you is I want to marry your daughter. This widow who lost three husbands, I want to marry her. When the uncle heard this, he began to cry. 
Amalek, he said to him, Albini, no way. He said, I don't know why, but everyone who married my daughter dies. And you're my nephew. I definitely don't want to lose you. So he turned and his, he said, I'll give you all my money. I don't want you to marry my daughter. And the nephew said, you swore that whatever I ask you, you're going to say yes. So he said, okay, I have no choice. And they went to this girl. And the father said, listen, I made a mistake. This guy tricked me. But you have to marry him. I made a promise. I swore. Okay. When she heard this, she began to... This poor girl began to scream and to cry. And she said, Kill me, but don't kill this boy. Okay. So, they set up the date of the wedding. And everybody was invited. And a man showed up before the wedding and went over to this young boy and said, Listen. The man was Elio Hanavi, but the boy did not know it was Elio Hanavi. And he said, listen, I'm going to give you advice. To this wedding is going to come a man that is so poor and so smelly and so disgusting looking that nobody would want to give him anything. Do yourself a favor. Make sure when this man comes to your wedding that you give him to eat. And Elio Hanavi left. He didn't know it was Elio Hanavi. Some rabbi came and gave him this advice. Okay, comes to the wedding. And... The chassan was sitting at the head table. In walks this disgusting, ugly, smelly old man. You know, lice jumping off his shoulders. It's just something you never saw in your life. Just so, If the satan is going to make himself ugly, he knows how to make himself beautiful, and he knows how to make himself ugly. And this was the satan, the Malach Hamavas, who was coming that night to take this boy like the other guys. When the chassan saw the poor man, he got up from his seat at the head table he put the man in his seat and served him himself. Now the old man didn't tell him to do that. You know, he just told him just to make sure you give him to eat. He, he was that type of boy. He jumped out of the seat. He gave this old man his seat. Okay, the old man sat in the seat. He ate. And the wedding was over. And the chassan was on one, in one room, like by the chassidim. Chassan was in one room and the kala was in another room. And the chassan goes to his, his room to get his clothing. And this poor man walks into the room, this ugly poor man, and he says to him, Beni, my son, I am a messenger of God. I came to take your soul. I came, I, I'm the Chasan. So the Chasan turned, he realized he's going to go the way of the other three. And he said, I'm begging you, give me one year with her. That's all I want. I'll die after that, but give me one year. He said, no. The Sultan said, no. He's not an easy guy to bargain with. <laughs> Give me half a year. No. Give me 30 days with her. Just one month. No. So the Chassan finally said, Give me Shivas Yimei Mishta. Give me the seven days of Mishta. My Sheva Brachas. Let me be with my, my new wife at least seven days. The angel of death said to him, Lo I will not even give you seven days. Kilo I can't even give you one day because your time is up. So the Chassan was still dealing. He's a good businessman. And he said, Okay, 
just give me rishus, tainly rishus, that I should just say goodbye to my wife. Amaloi, so the Malach said, okay, since you treated me way above, you put me in your chair, and you treated me way above anybody would treat me, I'll let you just say, go, say goodbye to her. Okay, and I'll wait for you in the room. All right, the chassan went to the kala's room. She's getting dressed. She's putting herself together. And she's davening. She's saying to Hillam that my husband should live through the night and he should, we should have a good life and a long life together. And he shows up. And he comes into the room and she says, Hi, how are you? What's going on? And he says, I came to ask you permission that my, my, end, is, my end is here. And the Malchamavest, the angel of death, is waiting for me in the next room. Amralau, girls. This is what you got to learn from this girl. Amralau. So this young girl who just got married tells her chasson, Lo telech me, madi. You're not going anywhere. Elatesha po. Sit down right here now. Yeah. For some reason I'm not shocked. Va'ani elech lechede shulcha. I'll go deal with the malachamaves. Ba'adami imo and I'm going to go, I'm going to go speak to him. So this guy was a good chassan. He sat nicely in his chair. Holcha, <laughs> she went. Umatza oisai. This is not a Grimm's fairy tale. This is this is Kaviyasha. This is a true story. Holcha umatza oisai. So she went. She found him. Amalei amalach. Listen to this trash talk. She's talking to a malach now, an angel, the angel of death. All of us would be like on the floor, right? She's talking to the angel there. She says the following: Ha'ato shliach shabasalita nishmas ishi. Are you by any chance the messenger that came to take my husband's soul? She's trash talking to Malchamavetz. On the low, he probably was shaking at this point, right? It's a Jewish woman. You don't, you don't argue with a Jewish woman. On the low, so the Malchamavetz said to her, Hey, yeah, I'm not scared of you. Yeah, I'm here to take your husband's soul. On the low, she said to him, one second, there's a Pasuk in the Torah. And the Torah says that when a man marries a woman, he's not supposed to go to war. And he's not supposed to um, plant a vineyard because he's not allowed to go to war because the first year is Shana Rishona. And Shana Rishona, he has to be home with his wife. If he goes to war, God forbid he could get killed. So the Torah says that the man has to stay with his wife the first year. Listen to this girl. She knows how to learn. And she says, And HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who you work for, God, it's his Torah. And in his Torah it says, that the man is not allowed to leave the woman for the first year. So if you take my husband away from me, then you're not keeping God's Torah. And if God's Torah isn't real, then I don't believe any of the other mitzvahs he gave. This is what she tells the Malcham So she's sort of arguing with Hashem. So she says to him, Im if you accept what I said, mutav, good. In love, she tells him, and if you don't like what I just said, Ba'imadi, come on, come with me. Come with me, we're going to go talk to God. You're going to take me to God, and I'll ask God myself. You wrote in your Torah that the first year, the husband's not allowed to leave the wife. How could you take my husband? You hear? The power of a woman? So the Sultan was very smart, and he's like, I don't want no woman talking to God, because she'll probably end up bringing Mashiach, it'll be the end of me. <laughs> so he says, you know, this is what he says. He says, you don't have to go with me. I'll take the case in front of Hashem. Okay? So he goes. Listen carefully. 
how fast this happened. Halacha Malach, Lishal HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Malach went up to ask Hashem, Ukeheref Ayin, as long as it takes you to blink your eye, Adayim Bob Simcha, he came back happy. When I read this, I said, oh, no. No. Ba'amayin, he said, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Vite L'chassan Eschayim Avur, HaGemil Eschesed Shosim, Ma'ani Hashem said, you're right, and you two can live together. And that night, it says they were laughing a whole night, and the, and the father-in-law and, and the mother-in-law and all the people were waiting outside, and they came out, Baruch Hashem, the chassan made it to the next day, and they lived, they lived a very, very long life and a very, very happy life. Now, why did the chassan come back, why did the Malachim others come back happy? He lost. He lost! He came to take a soul, and she beat him, and said he came back happy. And the answer is, that the Satan was created to lose, not to win. God's not a mean creator. He wants all of us to do as they wrote. He wants the Satan to tell you, go to the club, talk to this guy, don't be dressed sneers, talk Lashinara, look at the wrong things, and you are going to say no, and you're going to beat him. Then the Satan did what he's supposed to. That makes him happy. He's, he's supposed to lose. That's what he was created to do. He's created to lose. This girl, this woman, beat him. One on one, beat the Malachamoves. She was brilliant because what she was trying to do was she said, I'll go with you. Listen to the brilliance on the bottom and explains her brilliance. Women are very smart. Her brilliance was that she was going to trick the Satan into this. I'll go with you to the bed, Tashem. If she wins, her husband saved. And if she loses, she can't come back down. Because once you go up there, you can't come back down. If she can't go back up down, it's nefesh tachas nefesh. You took me, now you can't take him. So she was brilliant. She was going to win either way. Win, her husband saved. Lose, she has to stay up there, her husband saved. That's a wife. That's a wife. That's debek. That's called glued together. Every woman in this room has this koyach. You can argue with Hashem for Klai Yisrael. You have the power of Rachel Imenu. It's a different shear. Rachel Imenu argued with Hashem and said to Hashem, Chutzpah. She said, if I'm not jealous and I'm human, you're God. How could you be jealous? Hashem said, you're right, and I'll let the Jews live. You can go every day and open your sitter and say to Baruch Hu, we are the mothers of this generation or the soon-to-be mothers. We're going to be mothers. We're going to bring these children to the world. We don't want to bring children into a world of schmutz, of filth and dirt. You want to bring children to the world of Mashiach. Leave this room tonight and fight. Fight for the Jewish nation. A nation that's suffering with so many diseases and cancer and lack of shalom bias and divorces and lack of being able to have children. And so many children are off the derech. And so many parents that call at 4 o'clock in the morning, Rabbi, find my kid. I don't know where he is. Or my kid just married a guy. Or I don't know where my daughter is. Or my daughter's pregnant. She's 15. Dab into Hashem tonight when you get home. And tell HaKadosh Baruch Hu that you're the mothers, you're the creators of the next generation, all the creators of this generation. And you don't want to bring children into such a world. That's not the place for children. And you have the Koyach HaTfilah. You all have the Koyach to bring Mashiach. May you talk, may you do that, and may we see Mashiach. Amen. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.